been following a series in our, our morning uh, services on our vision as a church. Because we want to be a people of God together that, that own what God has given us to do for him. And uh, we have our mission statement on various places, on uh, all the contact sheet, notice sheets and banners and things. And we'll have a reminder in a few minutes on the screen as well. And the mission that we have as a church is to continue Jesus' mission. And uh, to be in co-mission with him as he sends us out in his name. And he came proclaiming the good news of the gospel. He came making disciples. He came building his kingdom. He came in prayer. He came to send out his church into the world as the Father had sent him. And he sent his church out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so when I sort of look upon our vision statement, it's just continuing what Jesus did. And it's not something we've sort of made up and thought, oh, that'll be good to do. It's what God has called us to do. And as we go, we make disciples of one another. We are to be those who encourage one another to walk closely with Jesus. And uh, last week, Tony spoke uh, about the way that Jesus discipled Peter. And uh, I was listening to it uh, on the website. And if you do miss messages, uh, uh, do go on the website. Uh, they're there quite quickly uh, these days. So please catch up if you would like to. And uh, it just as I was listening, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it have been great to be discipled by Jesus? <laughs> to have walked with him in that way. And, uh, and then, obviously, as, uh, as he does, the Lord just reminded me that we can walk with him every day. <laughs> and we can hear his voice every day. We have the awesome privilege of having his words written for us down by those who are faithful witnesses, who heard what Jesus said, saw what he'd done, and wrote it down for us. So every day we can pick up the words of Jesus and be discipled by him as well as by one another. As we hear his word, apply it in our lives and seek to live it out. And I was uh, drawn this week to thoughts of the kingdom. And that wonderful part in Matthew and also the sort of parallel passage in Luke. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, the Father's righteousness, and don't worry about tomorrow. If you were just to hear that this morning and nothing else, what would you think Jesus had said to you this morning? Seek first the kingdom of God and don't worry. It's not a trick question. What would Jesus want you to know this morning? Seek first the kingdom of God and don't worry. Two things he wants you to know. Don't worry. Anyone might think he wants to say to you this morning? Okay, trust him. I'm not getting you to preach the sermon, don't worry. 
Because I, re- I started thinking this week about the kingdom of God, and the Lord just pulled me back to this phrase of his, don't worry, don't worry. Now, I've come this morning thinking, there might not be anyone in this room that has anything to worry about. There may be no one in this room that is anxious about anything. There be no one in this room that is afraid or fearful of anything. But then I'm here, so I know I can preach. Because at least I can preach to myself, which I often do. And uh, as preachers who preach from the front know this, that we are preached to by the Lord throughout the week as we wait upon him. Jesus says, don't worry. And the antidote to worry is seeking his kingdom first. So if you hear nothing of what I say in the next half an hour, and trust me, it may take half an hour, hear this. The antidote to worry is seeking the kingdom of God first. Okay? And in Luke's gospel, the parallel passage Um, Jesus says again and again, do not worry. I was going to just read from verse 22, and we will read that in a moment, but obviously you tend to look at a passage and then you think, why has Jesus said that? And you look back a little bit. And I just went through the times. He said just in that chapter of chapter 12 that's recorded for us, the times he said, do not be afraid. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. And after that can do no more. He's addressing those who will be persecuted for his name. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. He says, I know the very hairs of your head. I number them. I know them. Don't be afraid. When you're brought before synagogue rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you'll defend yourselves. Because the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you, would, what you should say. And then from verse 22, which is the passage we're going to read, and it should appear on the screen as well. And in between those two, there's the parable of the rich fool that Jesus told just as a response to something a man cried out from the crowd about settling a dispute between him and his brother about money, basically, and inheritance. Then verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry what you will eat or what you, about your body or what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. 
And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will never wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wonderful to have the words of Jesus and we can read them. And my prayer this morning is that if you came through those doors with a worry or with a fear or with an anxiety, you will leave it here and not take it with you. That's my prayer. Living totally without worry or fear or anxiety, however, sounds to many of us as impossible as living without breathing. It just cannot be done. I know of people who are so hooked on worrying that if they find that they haven't got anything to worry about, they worry that they have forgotten something important which they needed to worry about, if you follow my drift. And what worry does and anxiety does, it robs us of peace. And Jesus wants us to know his peace in our lives day by day. But it's so hard, isn't it? We just look around the world, watch the news today. There is so much that we can worry about. We can worry about climate change. There will be those this morning worrying about floodwaters. We can worry about finances and pensions and austerity measures. We can worry about jobs and security. We can worry about hatred and violence in the world and terror, nations in uproar, atrocities all over the place. Or maybe we don't worry about those things. We tend not to worry about things that are a little bit removed from us. Worry tends to come knocking when it gets personal. Because some things we know, which I can't do anything about that. Maybe we worry about family, family members. Maybe we worry about health, our health, other people's health. Maybe we worry about our standard of living and being able to meet all the demands. Maybe we worry on a very simplistic level about what other people think of us. Jesus said, do not worry. Because worrying won't help. You can't make Anything happen by worrying. You can't make yourself taller by worrying. It's funny why he said that, isn't it? Do not worry, do not fear, do not be anxious. Jesus repeats it again and again and again, probably because he knows that we won't get it the first time. What Jesus is saying is that worry and fear actually is rooted in a fundamental misunderstanding about God and his amazing love 
for each one of us. Worry and fear is rooted in a fundamental misunderstanding about God and his amazing love for each one of us. And why I kind of tended to read back in the passage of Luke's gospel was that Jesus applies this this call to not worry or be anxious or be afraid in very different contexts. He applies it to the persecuted. He applies it to the rich. And he applies it to the poor. Do not be afraid. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. In the context of the persecution that will break out against his church, he's clearly saying here, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that can do no more. What's the worst they can do to you? The worst, the very worst they can do is kill you. And they will still not have won. Because we are secure in God for eternity. Even if we die, we will live with Christ because of all that he's done for us. Easy to say, isn't it? Yet, I've had the privilege of meeting some of the most persecuted believers in the world and they count it a privilege. A privilege. And we were saying, we've been followed by the police. Do you still want us to come to your house and pray with you? Come. We've been waiting for you. Come. The police are on our tail. Come. That's amazing courage. I didn't meet anyone in the persecuted church in Egypt who was fearful. Isn't that amazing? Because they had their eyes fixed on Jesus. If you're going to fear anyone, says Jesus, fear God. Because we're all going to have to face him on judgment day. Every one of us. I mean, if anyone has things to worry about in our world, it's those who don't believe in the Lord Jesus because they're going to meet with him face to face. I know that sounds really harsh, and I I probably wouldn't put it across that way in conversation, but that's the truth, the bottom line. And that's why we're so desperate to tell our friends about Jesus. Because we know we are secure even in death. We have no need to fear death. It is just the doorway to the presence of the Lord Jesus. As the Apostle Paul wrote, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain because I'll be in his presence. And then Jesus is interrupted by someone from the crowd. he just shouts out, will you, will you be the arbiter between me and my brother and sort out the issue we've got about our inheritance? And Jesus says, no, but I want to tell you a story. And he tells the story about the rich man who, who just had an amazing crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I've got no place to store all my crops. 
And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and big, bigger ones, and I'll store my grain and my goods, and I'll say to myself, I've got plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, drink and be merry. And God says to him, foolish man. That very night, his life was demanded from him. Jesus is talking about treasure in heaven. See, life is not defined by what we have. I think it was Tim Sayet was talking about his own family. And, you know, I think it was one of his parents who were dying. And he was saying on their deathbed, they weren't talking about all the things they had. That's not the thing you're going to talk about as you're dying, is it? All the things I've got. Because you've suddenly realized you haven't got them. They're not yours. They were just entrusted to you. The parable of this rich fool is that Jesus is saying he was consumed with himself. He never saw beyond himself. He never saw beyond this life. If you count through the parable, it's only a few verses. But he says, me, I, and myself, eight times in two verses. It's all about him. All about him and me and mine and what I've got. And Jesus has to say, you fool. The only worry this rich man had was he didn't have enough room for all his stuff. I need a bigger house for all my stuff. He had more than enough. He had an excess. He had a surplus. But his treasure was all on earth. And Jesus says in the parallel passage in Matthew, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. What you treasure above all else, that's where your heart is. This rich man didn't realize his life was only on loan as well. And I think Jesus is seeing something more in that parable as well. I think he's seeing that the whole of Israel is in danger of becoming like that rich man. Consumed with themselves. And there are societies as well as individuals that can think themselves in this false position. I think we live in one. A position of false security. Where we think everything is okay, but one crash. One economic disaster. As we see on our television screens across places like Greece and Spain, and we look and we think, and, and we feel sorry for them. Because we see that their nations are built on debt that they cannot pay. That it has been a false security. And we have to say, we're exactly the same. As a nation, we're in debt that we cannot afford. I guess the bottom line is, where is your security? Who are you trusting in? And then there's the word to the poor, because most of Jesus' hearers who have gathered around him, the disciples and others who are crowding in to hear what Jesus has said, would probably have had only enough to live on. And that there was always the prospect of one day that they wouldn't have that. 
most of those listening to Jesus here would have only had one spare garment of clothing. And it's interesting that Jesus actually addresses this striking command about not worrying to them as well. Now, when I'm talking about worry or anxiety and things like that, I am not talking here about clinical depression or clinical anxiety. I mean, my dad's been ill for many years with clinical depression and anxiety. It is not that kind of thing that Jesus is addressing here, that as if you could shake yourself. But it's that underlying thing of worry and fear and anxiety in our lives that actually undermines what Jesus has come to give us in himself. All of us know how destructive worry and anxiety can be. Stress. Stress and worry can cause physical sickness. I know that in my life, the most things, the things I've worried about have not even happened. They didn't actually happen. Which was an awful waste of time. The message of the kingdom of God goes to the root of this problem. It is these things. Who do you trust? Where is your security? Ultimately, what is your life all about? Jesus has not come as some life coach guru who is just telling us how to live a free, happy life. He is challenging the systems of the world and saying that God has an alternative way. And a purpose for our lives. The antidote to worry is seeking the kingdom first. And Jesus lived it out by example. We may say, well, Jesus didn't have much to worry about. Read a little bit earlier on. They're threatening to kill him. They're chasing after him. They are furious, particularly the religious leaders of the day are absolutely grinding their teeth in anger. And they're seeking to kill him. It says in the Bible that Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with suffering. We read in the passage where he's in Gethsemane, that he is full of anguish, but he is in anguish over the loss. He is in anguish that the only way to redeem this world was to give up everything. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. He trusted his father's will even in that moment. To surrender to the horror of crucifixion because of the joy set before him yet you read the gospels and you see Jesus as one who enjoyed life friendships he laughed he had fun. he told jokes he loved people to death and he taught the truth and he urged those who were his disciples to put God as the priority in their life, to trust and love him. Why? Because he knew that his father loved them. And that's what the reflection of the, about the birds and the flowers is. 
we sometimes read that, or I do, and think, oh, Jesus, you know, you get a bit mushy here. Talk of the flowers and the birds. The birds that he talks about are ravens or crows. I mean, we have jackdaws on the roof. He's not talking about the pretty little robin. But he says, even these birds, they don't sow or reap or store in barns, yet God feeds them. They are careless in the care of God. Now, I know that birds work hard. They flit around. But God feeds them. I've never seen a worried bird. Even when we've forgotten to put out the peanuts and the seeds, I don't see them sitting on there going, will it ever come again? What are we going to do? You know? I mean, I may not read birds very well, but I... Because God's provided for them. Like a child that's dependent on their parent. When Karis was little, I didn't see her in the corner. Oh, I'm wor- what if mum and dad don't feed me today? What if they don't put any clothes on me today? I need to go for counselling because I don't know if I'm going to get fed or I'm going to get clothed today. Jesus is telling a joke here, isn't he? Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. God cares for them. And how much more does he love you than a little flower in the garden? How much more does he love you than the sparrow? Even though he knows every sparrow. He has lavished his love upon you. He has come for you to rescue you, to give his life. God giving his life for you because he loves you so much. And if he cares for the birds and he cares about the flowers, how much more does he care for you? How much more will he never let you down? Never. And some of us never get to that point of of realizing that. I probably haven't in my life got to that point of knowing that I can trust God with everything completely because I've never trusted him with everything completely. He talks about the flowers, that they're more beautiful than Solomon in all his glory. Solomon, if you read the accounts of the scriptures, you know, he spent hours in front of the mirror, you know, just getting everything right, worrying about what he looks like, whether his hair's right today. How much more would God love you? He says the pagan world runs after all these things, false securities, all these things, consumed with it, them getting more and more and more and more. And you know what? The more they get, the happier they are. And the more they get, the, the less stressful they are, isn't it? No! Again, Tim said it, saying yesterday, because he, he mixed in circles of the rich and the famous and those who were on telly and they were all sad and miserable because they never had enough. And they worried that it would all go. God cares for you. 
And that thing you're worried about right now, that anxiety that you're carrying right now, give it to Jesus. He loves you. He will take care of it. He promises to. It's a question of trust, isn't it? Well, he does for everyone else. Well, he won't for me. He always takes care of all the others. He won't take care of me. Yes, he will. And even in the moments when I've thought, he hasn't. He actually has. Because it's just a little bit further on. It isn't over yet. We live in a world filled with worry and anxiety. The answer is seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. He's not saying that eating and drinking and clothes don't matter. Just they're not the main thing. It's not the main thing. Having more than enough is not the main thing. Have you enough? Has God provided enough? That's his promise. He's not saying that we shouldn't work hard. We should. But who are we working for? Jesus says, my father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That's lovely, isn't it? My father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Our father in heaven has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Freely. Just given you. All you have to do is receive it. Forgiveness, peace, eternal life. That sense of security that nothing can shake because you trust God. He has given. And to those who he has given the kingdom, he is colonizing earth with heaven. And one day he's going to come again to this earth and establish his kingdom fully forever. That's what we're living for and waiting for and praying for and serving for. And when you have your eye on that goal, not whether my Baptist Union pension will keep me. No! But God will keep me. And he'll keep you. Because he loves you. The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of Christ in our lives. There is total blessing and total demand. It's that both together. Total blessing and total demand. That hymn we sometimes sing, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life. My all. And sometimes we say, well, yes, Jesus, I trust you with this much of my life. And I might trust you with a little bit more, but I need this thing for me, the security thing. No, God's saying all of it. Trust me with all of it. And to seek his kingdom first is to desire that God's name be honored above all things. That Jesus be exalted above all. And once we're clear that Jesus is king. And we long to see him crowned with honor and glory. And that begins in our lives. 
begins in our relationships, begins in our homes and our marriages. If we're worried about our marriages, seek the kingdom first in that. If we're worried about our family, seek the kingdom first. Because God cares about our marriages. He cares about our relationships. He cares about our children. Seek his kingdom in our personal walk. In our professional life. That our our life at work and our life at home is for God. Jesus here sums up a Christian ethic of of life. Work hard, live simply, give generously. Work hard, live simply, give generously. And there is a joy and a freedom in that. Seek his righteousness. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are seeking God's righteousness on this earth. What did I believe that Jesus wanted to say to you this morning? Don't worry. See, but it's so, it's too simple, isn't it? It's too simple, Jesus. I've come with a worry, and you've said don't worry, but I want to take it home with me. I want to take it home with me this week. I will stroke it, and I will feed it. that's what we do with it and Jesus says I want you to leave it here this morning whoever it is you're worrying about whatever situation you're worrying about whatever anxiety is hanging over you Jesus says this morning I say it with authority that he has said it to me this week is you leave it here and don't take it with you but what you take with you is the kingdom first the kingdom first. Live for God first. Because God knows about all the other stuff and cares about it and can hold it. And so it ends with that kind of choice. What are we going to do? Can we take Jesus at his word? Can we trust him? Fundamental question about our faith. Can we trust Jesus? He calls us to trust him. Then leave it here. Whatever it is this morning. And instead of worrying. And this is. Instead of worrying, pray. Never worry, pray. The antidote to worry and anxiety is putting God first because he cares for you. Do you get what God wanted to say to you this morning? challenge now is to, if you have heard it, is to let it go from here to here. That's hard. 
we need to pray about that. So shall we pray? I'm going to ask the band to come back. Let's pray together. And if you did come this morning with a worry or an anxious heart or a fear, the Lord wants you to bring it to him and bring it as you worship and leave it. And I want, if you can, and if, if you want to, almost just where you're sitting and where we're praying, to almost just enact with your hands of giving over to Jesus. You're holding that worry, that anxiety, that fear, and you're going to just give it over and open your hands and drop it into the arms of God that person, that situation, knowing that God cares far more than you do and is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. He promises to hold you. How much more does he love us? He has lavished his love upon us and he has been pleased to give us the kingdom. And he wants us to know his peace this morning. We may not receive all the answers, but he wants us to know his peace this morning. So would you do that this morning? Gather those worries, those fears, anxieties. Gather them up and pour them into the hands of God. Let's stand as we worship. And as we worship, we're lifting our eyes to heaven and declaring that Jesus is king. And if Jesus is king, then he can handle all these things. So let's stand and worship.